Good evening. Join us as we descend into the realm of trembling terror. Be warned, darkness and fear await us on our journey among the shadows. Good evening, listeners, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of Among the Shadows. I'm your host, Cade Rogers, and tonight we have a story written by Javier Lustenau, in which a celebrity chef's goat-raising experience puts him off of meat. Forever. So, settle back, grab your knives... Put on some birria and get ready to be gourd. As all my fans might know, my biography came out last week chronicling my early days as a line cook, all the way up to owning a small chain of restaurants before the TV show and all the cookbooks. Still, this book is incomplete without me leaking this unpublished chapter against the wishes of my editor and my publicist. They refused to let me put it in the book, as it would harm my credibility and ruin my image. But I swear the story is true. It is the last thing I think about when going to bed, and often the first thing that comes to mind when I sip my coffee in the morning. It is the reason I became a vegan the reason I eventually opened a vegan restaurant, and the reason I am an ambassador for veganism, both as a lifestyle and as a political statement. This is a story about the last time I ate meat. Some of you will see it as a metaphor, a lark, a publicity stunt, or a strange flight of fancy brought to you by the guy who created the smoked vegan brisket. However you choose to view this, know that I believe it is the literal truth. For context, this takes place in the mid-1990s, when I was a fresh graduate from the CIA, that's the Culinary Institute of America. Every day I was applying to and being rejected by some of the hottest and most prestigious restaurants in New York. Intellectually, I was interested in French cuisine, but my heart was not really in it. Honestly, I did not know what I wanted to do with my life beyond cooking. To make ends meet, I took a job at a Mexican restaurant. Not a mom-and-pop burrito shop, but an actual honest attempt at fine dining before anyone really knew what Mexican food was, except for Rick Bayless and Diane Kennedy. Shit, I had no idea what to expect. I only applied because I figured it would involve opening cans of beans and stirring big batches of chili con carne. I'm not embarrassed to say I did not take the cuisine seriously, because back then nobody did. The place was actually very popular, and the chef went on to have some success of his own. I will refer to him as El Patron for the remainder of this chapter. In a book full of name-dropping, I know that it's odd that I don't mention his name. But I assure you, he does not want to be associated with this story. It is the reason he fired me, and has not spoken to me in years. 
He did hire me for my first professional job, though, to help out in his restaurant. After a month of washing dishes and performing menial tasks like carrying boxes and cleaning up, he said I was ready to do prep work. This involved showing up at the crack of dawn and breaking down and cleaning up our meats, peeling and chopping all our vegetables, and getting several stations set up for the day. I had no idea how to make mole or pipien or any of the sauces that made this place popular. For now, my job was just to slice and dice and clean. One morning, I nearly had a heart attack when I opened the walk-in freezer. Hanging from a chain in the middle of the tiny refrigerated room was a skinless goat staring at me with two big round eyes. For some reason, it was terrifying. I had gutted and cleaned endless fish, shucked oysters, broken down chickens, and butchered sections of pigs. But goddamn, that goat gave me a fright. And it didn't go away. I looked away from it as I stretched half my body into the freezer, reaching for a large crate of vegetables. I heard the chain creak softly, and when I glanced over, the whole goat had rotated slightly, its cold, dead eyes meeting mine again. I slammed shut the walk-in freezer, feeling sick to my stomach. The adrenaline from being startled was not wearing off. Instead, it was intensifying into a full-blown panic attack. My heart kept racing, and I had to repeat to myself, it's just meat, to stop being paralyzed and start moving around the kitchen again. I had been successful in retrieving my first case of veggies, so I started prepping them while trying not to cut my trembling hands in the process. Every few seconds, I would get a flash of that goat's skinless face in my head and its deep, dark eyes staring right at me. It had a ghastly smile, probably because it had just had exposed muscle without lips or skin. The whole thing haunted me. Just as I finished dicing up the last of the carrots, dread overtook me as I realized that I had to go back into that walk-in freezer. I laughed a little. It was silly how scared I was of the damn thing. Then I realized that El Patron might be expecting me to break it down. I felt a sudden chill go through my body. There was no way I was going to butcher that thing. Squinting my eyes so that I could barely see anything, I opened the door and reached into the walk-in freezer for another crate of veggies. As I did so, my arm touched the cold flesh of the goat and I recoiled. Panicking, I, I snatched the veggie crate and shut the door, spilling several zucchinis and onions inside the walk-in and out into the kitchen floor. As I sliced up onions, my, my whole body jerked in reaction to the loud thump from inside the walk-in freezer. Sure, a vegetable I had left behind had rolled off the shelf and onto the floor. There was a few more loud thumps over the next minute, and then there was a loud clank of something hard hitting metal. Clank! Startled, I almost cut myself. It was unsettling, but I, but I really didn't want to open the door of the walk-in unless I had to, so I ignored it. 
A few more clanks interrupted my work, but soon I was ready to move on to cleaning chickens and trimming steak. So I worked up the courage and opened the walk-in freezer again. It took a couple of tries to actually move my arm, turn that handle, and get it to open. And when I did, I saw that vegetables were strewn all over the floor, and a couple of sauce containers were on their sides leaking. But even worse, I saw that the goat was gone. Only the chain was left swinging gently, reminding me that I really had seen what I had seen earlier. I crumpled. Sitting on the floor, dumbstruck, I stared at that walk-in, unable to do anything. A million explanations raced through my mind. It's a prank. I've lost my mind. Last night's drink must have been spiked. Somebody must have moved the goat while my back was turned. I'm not alone here. I heard hooves tapping on the tiles somewhere by the restrooms or near the front of the restaurant. I hid behind my prep station, a knife in each hand. In my head, I was mocking myself for being so afraid of something so implausible, so surreal. The clackety-clack would come and go, echoing from different parts of the restaurant. But never in the kitchen, I steeled myself and then slowly peered around the side of my station. My gaze was met by two deep black eyes staring back at me from a skinless face. Its tongue hung limply from one side of its mouth, and it was perfectly able to stand on its four skinless legs. I freaked out. My knives went flying, and by the time I heard them cling to the ground, I was already taking shelter inside the walk-in freezer. This situation was not much better, though. It was pungent with leaking chili sauce. It was cold and cramped and dark, and I knew I could not last long in there. The smell made my eyes well up with tears, and those tears felt cold like they could turn to little icicles. When I heard the beast slowly clackety-clack away into the dining room, I sighed with relief. I slowly left the walk-in, surveying my messy surroundings, but I saw no sign of the goat. Once again, I retrieved my knives and prepared myself to escape out the back of the restaurant. My feet would slip and slide as I left footprints of chili sauce like dark, drying blood. I was moving as slowly as I could, all the while clutching my knives and listening for any sound of movement. I made it past the sinks and was almost out the back door when I saw the goat in the corner across from me. I screamed, What the hell are you? It made a grunt that turned into a loud screech, and then it charged full force at me. I held my blades out before me, eyes closed, trying to swing at the beast. It must have leapt because I felt a strong punch right in the gut, and it sent me falling backward over a trash can. 
Its face was inches from mine, and I distinctly heard it say, in a low, growling voice, Yo soy el Nagual, before everything faded to black. I awakened that evening at the hospital and panicked until a couple of nurses held me down and a third came running with a syringe. No, stop, I'm okay, I'm okay, I yelled, and they backed off and gave me space to breathe. Fragments of what happened that morning came rushing back to me, at least what I could remember. Whatever more I've been able to jot down later would eventually turn into what you're hearing now. At that moment, I was just experiencing an intense euphoria, knowing that I was safe. As you might imagine, they said I had experienced some sort of psychological event, likely a nervous breakdown due to stress and a lack of sleep. Sure, I had been partying a lot, and I was nearly broke, but stress was never really a problem for me. At that age, I felt invincible. Then El Patron came into my room and stared at me in silence for a minute as he composed something in his head. Finally, he said, I'm glad you're okay. I was really worried. I also hope you understand that you can't come back to my restaurant. I could forgive you, but the donas who actually make the sauces and the tortillas would never feel safe again with some crazy person or drug addict ground. I just pay the bills. The donas really run things, and they're scared of you. But I did bring you something because hospital food sucks. It's birria. He poured some warm broth and meat out of an insulated container into one of the bowls we use at the restaurant. From a second container, he added some diced onions, oregano, and a couple of lime wedges. When chefs are concerned but do not know what to say, they communicate with food. I am the same way even now. I slurped of the broth and it was amazing. I instantly realized that I had not eaten since the previous day, so I devoured the food. While crying in gratitude and with relief, I sopped up the remaining chili-tinted red grease with a tortilla. This is possibly the best thing I've ever eaten. What is it? I asked. Berea is good stew, with chilies and clove, he replied. And just like that, I felt it coming back up. For a second time that day, I humiliated myself before El Patron by making a mess. That was the last time we ever spoke to each other, even though we would often get booked by the same shows filming back-to-back -back episodes. I developed a revulsion and full-on phobia to meet, and that fear and disgust fueled my desire to innovate in vegan cuisine. It's why you never see me as a judge on shows. I tell them that I have too many food allergies to be a judge. It's why I was able to ignore the bad reviews and the bad press while I built up my career. Those things never scared me. Bankruptcy never scared me. Scandal never scared me. The only thing that ever scares me anymore are the memories of having to take animals apart and thinking of El Nagual.
We hope you enjoyed tonight's episode titled El Nagual, I Fought the Goat and the Goat Won, written by Javier Lustenau and performed by Gregory Neal. We truly appreciate Javier's willingness to let us adopt his work for this dramatic reading, and we hope to feature his writings in future episodes. Thank you, Javier. This concludes tonight's episode. I'm Cade Rogers. Join us next time as we bring you another terrifying tale from among the shadows. This has been a Four Pups Audio Works production. Copyright 2021.